ten verses, and we'll get into the message, open a word of prayer, and then get into the message. First ten verses, and let's read, and then we'll pray. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall, not, we shall reap if we faint not. And we have, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time just to be in your house and to sing praises unto you and, and to even lift up praises, uh, praising you for what you've done in our life and answering prayers. And, and Lord, just continuing to work in our hearts. Thank you for an opportunity, Lord, to sit under the preaching of your word and, and to hear your word. Lord, that we pray you would take this time and you would speak to us through your word that you would be honored and you would be glorified, and that your will would be done in our lives. It's in, this, in your precious and wonderful name that we pray. Amen. So the book of Galatians has been, like I said, it's been a fun study. Both Brother Jason, Brother Andrew, and I have been going through it. The book of Galatians was written to churches in the region of Galatia. These churches had somewhere, some way, some form heard that if you want to be an extra special Christian, or you want to be a better Christian than everyone else, or perhaps they were hearing that if you really want to be saved, you have to do the Jewish law. That, okay, you're Gentiles, and you've heard the message of Jesus Christ, you've believed on His name, but they were, someone was telling them, that's not all. You need more. Or if you want to be that second-tier Christian... You've got to do the Jewish law, too, which is contrary to what Paul had already preached to them. What Paul had already taught them was that it was Jesus Christ alone. And so throughout the book, Paul will go through arguments and begins even to write off with a rebuke. And very contrary to Paul's normal style of writing, he didn't say he was thankful for anything. Normally in, in the books that Paul wrote and the letters that he wrote, he would say, I thank you for your doing this right, and I thank because you're doing this right. But because of such doctrinal error, Paul couldn't be thankful at all. And so he goes straight into a rebuke, and he tells them, and sorry, I'm going to try to preach a little bit through it just to get us all the way up to chapter 6. But he, he straight starts off, rebukes them, says that if you've heard any other gospel than that which they heard at first, that's wrong. That, that anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ alone can be, is your means of salvation, that faith in Jesus Christ alone, anything else 
is wrong. And so he goes through the book and he goes and tells them their, their error between, behind that. The error behind trying to do the Jewish law and trying to be an extra special Christian is, is full of, of pride and full of trying to do it on my own. Because we know that for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And though that was written in the letter to the Ephesians, the same concept is, is carried out through the book of Galatians that it's not by the law, for if it was by the law, then Jesus Christ never needed to come and to die. That if you could do it on your own, there was no point for Jesus to die for your sins. And yet he did. Because you can't do it on your own. And so he goes through, and, and the, the sermon before this was one that I believe Brother Andrew got a, the privilege to preach out there. We're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And something that many of us are, are familiar with, the list that talks about these are the fruit of the Spirit. That if you're walking in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Saying that, yes, you ought to be serving God, but not serving God to make yourself look great. And not serving God because it look, makes you look amazing. Not because you want to be an extra special person, but you serve God because God has done so much for you. And we serve God because it's His working in our lives. It's not the work of the flesh, because the work of the flesh is all that which we did before we got saved. But rather, it's the working of God's Spirit within us. And so this passage here in Galatians or chapter 6 is kind of the conclusion. It comes to the summary taking the whole book together and saying, this is what it should look like. This is what it means. Saying that, okay, you should not do the law. It's The law is not what saves you. You should obey God's Word, yes, but it's not a matter of doing the law that makes you something extra special and makes you a, a better Christian, but rather obeying God and loving others. As we see all throughout God's Word, and so, Paul begins concluding and applying it to the lives of the Galatians. says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. He says, okay, based off of all that I've heard, here's what you ought to do for, or what you've heard, here's what you ought to do for your brethren. He says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, if he's overtaken, it's not just a matter of like somebody running up and grabbing him. He's fallen into a sin. He's overtaken in a fault. That, that over word overtaken is not something violent. It's not a matter of the boogeyman sitting in the closet and it just jumped out and grabbed him. But it's also not passive. It's not as saying he's just walking along and casually, whoop, he slipped. It was of his own choice, of his own will, of his own freedom that he has been overtaken. He's put himself into a spot where he's now overtaken by a fault. That word fault is the same word used in our Bibles as trespass, meaning he has trespassed the boundary that God has put in his word. <laughs> that he's walked past the boundaries that God, of obedience that God has put in his word. And because of that, he now finds himself overtaken in a fault. He's fallen into a serious pit that he cannot get out of. 
overtaken, meaning there's, there is nothing that he can do to get out. Nothing that he can see to free himself. Completely overtaken, but of his own choice. So, a fault being something where he did it on his own. For me, a, a serious fault on my own part is I electrocuted myself three times. I'm reminded of this recently because I got really close to it at work the other day of making it number four. Two of which being at work. Okay, it's an embarrassing story. I'm sorry. <laughs> For me. Um, at work, I work with maintenance at, at, at the restaurant there and the, the event space. And so I'm often changing light bulbs or changing pipes and changing tubes. A lot of light bulbs. A lot of light bulbs. And so, but every once in a while, a light bulb will break in the socket. And you've got to get it out of there. So that's two times. Of try, not using the right gloves or not using the right tool and just accidentally sticking your finger in a light socket. But the first time ever in my life I was electrocuted, I was a little kid. I grew up around cows and chickens. And sometimes for cows, to keep them in their enclosure, it's more than a fence is required. There's a little a wire that goes around and has a very slight electrical charge, kind of to, as the approach the fence and maybe they try to push it over to get out, it just kind of gives them a little like that. For the cows, it's not, it's not painful at all. But if you touch it, it's no good. And so we would be, me and my sister, as we'd head to school and we'd head to the bus stop, we'd often cut through the cow pasture just to get there. We'd duck under the, the wire and make sure not to touch it. And then on the other end, we'd duck under the wire again just to make sure we were okay. And one of these mornings, we were heading out early We had plenty of time, and my sister put me to a dare. She said, hey, have you ever touched that before? And me listening to my much wiser and much loving sister, said, nah. She's like, I dare you to do it. Touch the wire. And so, foolish child, I grabbed the wire, and nothing happened. Well, I found out later that science means that you have to actually be grounded. My nice rubber shoes kept me from being electrocuted. And so my, my sister informed me on this. She had just learned about it in her science class and says, you got to touch the fence too. And so I'm holding the wire and I grab the fence as well and then I find myself on my back end. It was my fault. I did it. I trespassed the warnings that I had seen, the yellow piece of plastic that's every couple of feet on the wire that says, that hurts, don't touch it. And I did it on myself. And I was overtaken with electricity. It hurt. And I was sore for the next couple of days. But it was completely my fault. I was overtaken by the electricity. So those that are overtaken with a fault, Paul's admonition here is, those: if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. So Paul had just finished going through the works of the flesh, and the fruit of the Spirit. He says, ye which are spiritual, ye which are characterized by the Spirit. So those that are producing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, that list that is listed there in verse 22 of chapter 5, ye which are spiritual, restore such in one in the spirit of meekness. That it's not just enough to 
The problem with the Galatian church is that they were adopting this philosophy because they liked the idea of, hey, I can be a better Christian than that guy. Hey, I can make myself look good compared to this guy. The problem is, with that mindset, that pride, then this guy often ends up staying down and staying over and taken in that fault. Because it doesn't look good to bring him back up here. It doesn't look good to make him back into an extra special Christian. It begins a tier system, and it becomes, becomes the corporate ladder of stepping on everybody's head so you can get higher and higher up. And the pride over here causes a brother in need an individual in need to stay where they have fallen. And so Paul gives them the, the admonition to restore such a brother in the spirit of meekness. Not in the spirit of strength. Not in the spirit of your own ability. But in the spirit of meekness. Humbly coming alongside this brother, this individual, to help them out, to restore them. That word restore is the same word that, that's used when the fishermen, when Jesus met the disciples and they were mending their nets. They were putting it back together. That there's holes over here and there's damage that has been done. And restore such an one. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Now, the problem is, Have you ever tried this before? I remember once as a, a teenager going to camp, an uh, older gentleman, preacher for many years, showed me this illustration that when you're supposed to restore such an one, it's like you're standing up here on an elevated platform and there's someone down here that needs to now come up here. And if I were to get anyone in here to, to come down here and I'm going to say, I'm going to pull you up on top of the platform. And I extend my arm out. I use all of my strength, what's going to happen? Oftentimes, maybe if it was Felix and he's light enough where I can lift him up with one arm, but if I'm going to reach down here, often what will happen, rather than me pulling someone up here, it ends up falling. Now the problem, that is why even in this, this verse Paul says, consider thyself. Because when you go and you try to restore someone in your own strength, in your own ability, and in your own footing, more than likely you can fall. But the reason why you need to come in the spirit of meekness is because meekness is not only just being gentle. It's not being soft. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is strength under the right authority. And that authority being the Word of God. And that if we come in meekness saying, hey, you're wrong. This is how you need to get right. Let me help you out here. Let me extend a hand. But also knowing that authority, if you are characterized by the Spirit, you are at your spiritual, that means you're walking in the Spirit. It means you have a close relationship with God. So ye which are spiritual, ye that are walking with the Lord, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, and because it's not just my strength or my ability anymore, but because I'm coming in the authority of God, and I've got a good hold up here, it's not my strength. It's not my own ability or my own pride that can restore such an one. But it's through the strength of an almighty God. 
that if I were on my own, nothing up here, and I were to do it in my own strength, I could fall. Just the same. The saying goes that any sin that any sinner ever committed, any sinner under the right provocation could commit. That we cannot come to a situation and say, well, I would never do that. Because you're just as much a sinner as anyone else. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that was the the lesson that we taught the children even this morning, talking about the publican and the Pharisee. How the Pharisee looked at the publican and said, I am so glad I'm not this person. And I am so glad that I've never done such wickedness over here. I'm so glad that I do so well. And he never realized in that story that he was as much a sinner in need of God's saving grace. And so when we come to this, we consider, when we see a brother that is, or see a sister, or see an individual that is overtaken in the fault, we have been commanded to restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, understanding that we're not coming in our own ability, we're not coming in our own authority, but we need to be holding on to a relationship with a holy God. If you're not holding on to, if you don't come in this relationship, I would dare say you're not spiritual. You're not the one that, that is characterized by a walk with the Spirit, and so therefore, leave it alone. But we're supposed to be walking in the Spirit, so ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So we're commanded to reach out, to, to in, provide the truth in love, telling them when they're wrong, to bring them back. But that's not all. Because now that they're up here, there might be some wounds. There might be some burdens that they'll have to bear. Because the problem is, and we'll get to that verse eventually, that when you sow in the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption. That there is still reaping for forgiven sin. So this individual that is, was overtaken in a fault, that has now been forgiven and now been restored may still have some scars of that past sin. So what do we do? What are we to do for this, this per individual now? This individual that has been restored, this individual that has now come out of that sin, verse number two, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Christ er, Paul here is saying that, that to come alongside of this brother and know that they're going to have some burdens that there are still consequences for forgiven sin, and helping them get through this. Helping them come alongside of it. Help take that burden for them and continue to walk with them. Help support them through that growth. And help instruct them and say, okay, you've gotten out of there. Now you're back to a spot where you're reading your Bible. Now you're back to a spot where you're faithful to church. Now you're back to a spot where you're not falling into that sin anymore. And here's how you stay right. Helping bear their burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. And Paul uses that wording very, very specifically because the false doctrine that they'd been been taught was to obey the law. The law which Paul would say is a set of rules, yes, that was good to teach them of their sin. And they were trying to follow the law and they were trying to fulfill the law in their own life. And yet the law of Christ was to help this person and help bring these people to a right standing with God. 
saying, bear ye one another burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That it's not about fulfilling a law, a list of regulations to make yourself a better person. To say that, man, I'm so great. But helping this person who's hurting, who's under some burdens, and help bear bear ye one another's burdens and restore them to a right relationship with God. Once again, coming in that spirit of meekness. That's why verse 3 says, For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. It's not in our strength. It's not in our own ability, once again. Because just as much as we can't, in our own strength, and our own ability, restore one that is overtaken in the fault, it must be the working of a holy God in our life and using His Word to help this individual come along come out of that pain, come out of that burden, and to bear their burden with them. It's nothing in ourself. Because when we think ourselves something, that is when we're just proving that we are nothing. That we are all still yet sinners. Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. So then it comes from there. You've come out of this situation. Now... We're dealing with ourselves. Okay, restore such an one. Help bear their burdens. But then we come into our own personal responsibility of being obedient to the Word of God. He says, Let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. So the verse, prior, the verse 2 said, Bear ye one another's burdens. Help this individual get through. But then it says... To bear your own burden. Let every man, for every man shall bear his own burden. There's a difference in the two words. They're both burden in the English, but there are two different burdens. This burden over here is so weighty and so heavy to bear that you need help. Whereas this burden is a smaller burden, not as heavy. It's more of like a, a, not, a normal burden to bear. As if when I head to work... I bear my backpack to work because I carry my tools with me. That word is also where we get the English word invoice. And so the the illustration that I've thought of with the the two invoices, I, I work a little bit alongside the receivers at work. The receivers, they're the ones who every day, I work in a restaurant, they like to have fresh food, which is a good thing for a restaurant to have. You don't want to go to a restaurant that doesn't have fresh food. And so every day we have produce coming in. Every day we have meat coming in and lobster and fish and whatever. I, I don't cook. Okay? I don't know food. I'm just the guy who fixes the light bulbs. But every day we have stuff coming in that's fresh. And that, 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 that's this kind of invoice. It's a light invoice. Okay? We, to operate, we have smaller expenses that come in because we're going to use it. We're going to make something great out of it on a plate that you're going to enjoy. And we're going to profit from it. It's a, it's a small invoice. It's, it's a burden that's not heavy to bear because we know there's going to be good, good things to come from that. that. That burden that we're all supposed to bear is, like following, is the burden of being obedient to God's Word. Sure, it might cause us some sacrifice, but the, the burden of handing an individual a track and inviting them to church, it might be awkward. It might feel weird the first time. But then once you see somebody come to the church, 
And you see them sit under the preaching of God's Word. You see them get it. You see them saved. And then they start coming, and they're faithful, and they, they follow the Lord in baptism, and they start serving God. Man, yeah, it was, it was awkward and weird to hand that track out the first time. But then the dividends were so much greater. That, that's a burden that's enjoyable to bear. That's a burden that we ought to bear. But then there's the, the comparison once again. This, this kind of invoice over here, this burden, this would be more of, in my work illustration, when one of my employees breaks some plates. Or when my employee was careless and we have big expensive furniture and they, we have a glass tabletop and the two of them are carrying it very carefully. And the other one, and one of them decides he's not going to be as careful. And he drops it. That is an invoice that is not enjoyable to pay. Because that's out of our own expense. That is a burden that is hard to bear. Those are the burdens that we help individuals carry. But bear ye your own burdens. Bear ye one another's burdens. Or let's say, for every man shall bear his own burden. That's the normal every day being obedient to God's word. To don't forget, yes, let's help restore a brother who's fallen. Let's help these brethren who have to deal with the consequences of past sin. But also, let's not forget to be obedient to God's word every day. Let's be obedient, not because, going back to what the Galatians had fallen into, being obedient to God, not because it makes us something better than everyone else, but being obedient to God because it is our own burden to bear. We've been taught in the Word. That's why he said, let him that is taught in the Word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Let's live according to what we've been taught. Because it communicates obedience to God. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And this verse 7 is often used in a negative connotation. But Paul meant it for good. Yes, it's got a negative point to it. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It's a law of nature that God had put into play from the beginning. If you take a seed of an apple and you put it into the ground... You're not going to have carrots popping up. If you put an apple seed into the ground, you're going to produce apple trees. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And yes, there's the negative aspect of it. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. There is that sowing and reaping. But Paul was intending to say that when we're obedient to God and say we sow obedience to God, it's that obedience of, of telling others about Jesus Christ. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Yes, when you sow of the flesh, you reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So through that obedience of handing that person a track, in that light burden that we have been given, no, that's why Christ even said, He, he said following Him would be a burden. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden's light. That following Christ would not necessarily be the easiest thing, especially in our day and age. But when we're obedient to that, we sow to the Spirit, we shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. When we're obedient to God, we can see 
this individual may become unto Christ. There's a lot of well-doing that we can do. And as the Galatians were trying to do some well-doing in their lists of the law, they were doing it just to be boastful and just to be proud, just to make themselves look better. And as Paul went through the arguments all throughout the book to say the law is not meant to save you, the law is not meant to make you look like a better person, the law was meant to show that you're a sinner. Christ died for your sins and that you are to serve Him and obey Him. And so instead of trying to make yourself look good, do well to others. And so there's well-doing to restoring such in one. Those that have fallen into a fault. Or helping bear the burdens of those that are hurting. There's the burdens that we've been giving of being obedient to God's Word. And in doing so, We'll see God work and see that seed that is planted grow. And so Paul finishes it out, verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Paul, throughout the book, pointed out to them that their desire to follow the law or do these lists of regulations was fully a pride issue. That they were just wanting to boast of themselves or to say, "How look how much better I am of a Christian when that was contrary to the gospel that they had heard. That God had saved them from their sins because they needed it. Their responsibility, if they were walking in the Spirit, was not to be one stuck and bound by rules and regulations of the law, but they were set at liberty to serve God and to obey God. Set at liberty to love our brethren and to to help them out and to do right and to do His Word. So as we have opportunity to do well, to do good and restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, to, to do well, good and to bear each other's burdens. To do good and to be obedient to God's Word so that we can see that seed sown. So that we can see God work in our lives. Let us not be weary in well-doing. There's a lot that can be done here. But if we go right back to the beginning... The command was to be for those that which are spiritual. Ye that are walking with the Lord, ye that are obeying His Word, you'll recognize when these opportunities come, and God will give you the ability, and God will give you the unction to help a fallen brother, help a fallen individual to restore them, to be able to help them and bear a burden. And God will give you that ability if you're trusting in Him, and you're walking in the Spirit. That's why... He said in chapter 5, Walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit and you'll be able to do the work of God because it's God working in you. So, verse number 10, in summary, once again, "As As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. 
Lord, thank you for this specific instruction on how to serve you and how to live for you, how to be obedient to your word. Lord, and we're thankful for that as we obey you and your word, as you work, you will work in our lives. Lord, that we don't have to do it in our own strength and our own ability, but that we can humbly serve you through your strength, your enabling, and we can see as that seed is sown, we can see it reaped. Lord, is life everlasting. Lord, we thank you for your work in our life, and we pray that you would be honored and you would be glorified. And it's in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Just want to leave some time as our head.